Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You're listening to Blue Jays Nation Radio with Cam Lewis and Tyler Uremchuk, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Episode 13 of Blue Jays Nation Radio. Tyler Uremchuk alongside Cameron Lewis. If last episode was our drunk birthday episode, this is our hangover episode, Cam. Yeah, I'm still hungover. I'm, uh, what, how many days removed from that? What, how many days ago was, what, Thursday? Was that the day? Three, three days ago, yeah. Three, four I don't days know. Ago. That, that was Thursday, right? Yeah, it was on Thursday. I, uh, yeah. I, had, a, I had a bit of a go. I had a few beverages on, on Thursday. Birthday bender. Yeah, I had some beverages on Friday. I ended up shaving my head. Yeah, that was one of the first things I noticed when we started our Zoom call is that you shaved your head. Yeah, I was really hungover on Friday and it was really hot and it just, I couldn't take it anymore. And I haven't been able to get anywhere for a haircut in months. So I was yeah, like, fuck it, it's game over. I'm, I'm just shaving this. And that was after a few beverages too. Um, well, the hangover beverages, you know, like you yeah. don't really get hangovers because you're too young. Like I didn't start getting them until I was like 26. That's like, fair. 25, 25. Yeah, my hangovers last me about an hour. Like you need to yeah, like like wake you, up. You're fine by noon, right? Yeah. Drink a couple bottles of water, have an Advil or whatever, a good breakfast. And I'm like ready to go. I could run a marathon at that point. If so I that's how it to. used to be. Yeah. Now it's you wake up or what actually ends up happening is you get drunk and you just can't really sleep. You wake up like seven times and then you're up at like 8 a.m. once and for all because you have to take a huge leak. And then you try and drink a bunch of water and it just doesn't really do anything. And then you know, throughout the day you feel like shit and then it feels like it's gone away. You eat something and then it kind of comes back in the evening and then it just lingers. And then sometimes it goes into the day after that. So I find the best remedy is if you had a really big go and you have a terrible hangover, you got to get back in the mix the next day and have some drinks. You can tell that the finale of that series was pretty much just a dog shit fest of baseball because we don't want to talk about it. And we're talking about nonsense for the first couple minutes of the pod. Yeah, that was weird. That whole game was weird. Well, like they get off to such a great start and like the fan part of my brain just kicks into cruise control. I'm like, ah, whatever. I flip around. I, I have two TVs out. So I'm watching, you know, overtime of a hockey game. I got one eye on the ball game. I'm like, ah, this one's over. It's mop up time. And then things just kind of started. Well, they started to fall apart in the fifth a little bit. And then the eighth and ninth were just like, oh, it was like trying to run through mud. Just they couldn't get anything. The weirdest thing about that game is it felt like it went on for days. Like, yeah, I was sitting there when 
of Romano and Beasley were pitching in the ninth. And I thought, man, like it does not feel like the same game that Chase Anderson was pitching in this game. That doesn't feel like the same game. That feels like it happened yesterday, which is, is just a, it's just a, a time warp mind. Fuck. Yeah. I'm kind of going through my notes on what happened in this last game. And a lot of it will get to in three up three down. Um, so let's just jump right into it. Three up, three down brought to you by Twig and Berries. Promo code nation 15 gets you 15% off. Also, if you follow them on Instagram right now, they got a deal. Buy two pairs of shorts, get one free. So head over to their Instagram at Twig and Berries CA. Uh, the Jays took two out of the three. So we should start being a little bit positive. So let's get right into the three up. And the first one would be Vladdy crushing home runs, nine, 10 and 11. It's the first time in his career. He's homered in three straight games. He's now just two back of Shohei Otani for the league lead in home runs as well. Another banner weekend in what has been a whole season of Vladdy continuing to have these moments. It was really funny when for a minute there, people were like, Oh, Vladdy's on a bit of a cold streak. You know, he, he's, he's struggling. He's only putting up like an eight, 10 OPS lately. And it's like, oh, geez, has the league figured him out? Is he not that good anymore? And it's like, no, of course he's still really good. And of course he's going to have, you know, his slight cold streaks and teams are going to pitch him differently and he has to adjust. But Vladdy keeps coming out and keeps adjusting what pitchers are doing and he's hitting everything, you know, three consecutive games of the dinger. That one he hit in the third game looked like he was hit like 700 feet. Looked like he hit it to like fucking Disney World. Like the guy's yeah. not going to slow down this year. Like, he, yeah, he'll have a cold streak or two, a bad week, but every no, hitter does. Yeah. Vladdy's here, man. Like it's not going anywhere. When Kinsler Kinsler didn't even like move slightly when he gave up the home run. Like no. Vladdy hit it and Kinsler was just like <laughs> dialed into the umpire, like ball. Even, yeah, ball. Just, just give me the next ball. Who cares? Like <laughs> but yeah, he absolutely he crushed that fucking thing. And it's been great to see coming into the game today. Vladdy had a 1021 OPS, a 314 batting average, and 10 home runs. Um, yeah, just just been an incredible year for Vladdy and hopefully he keeps it up. But I'm with you. Like people were not panicking, but questioning things a little bit during his cold streak. And like every hitter goes through that shit. And it's not like it turned from 10 games to 15 to 20 games. Like that was a relatively short cold streak, especially when you consider when he's been hot this year, it's been like best hitter in baseball kind of hot. So yeah, show, yeah. show some, show some faith in the big man. He'll, he'll, yeah. he'll sort it out every time the, the, the opposing pitchers mix it up. Our, it out. our second up is one player who I did not have a lot of faith in, but he proved me wrong in game two of the series. We kind of joked on the last podcast, like what were they going to do in the middle game of this series? And we were like, what are you like? You're going to give it to Anthony K. That doesn't sound very appetizing, but they did give it to Anthony K and he delivered pitched four innings, struck out six, two walks, one hit, no earned runs, Drops his ERA to 7.24, which also kind of tells you how bad things were going for Anthony K before this. Uh, an encouraging sign from K. Did he do enough to earn another start, in your opinion? Or is this just, again, I don't know. Like, to me, you have a good start like that. You kind of get the benefit of the doubt for your next one. Yeah, you'd think so. I mean, if they didn't, you know, they didn't pull him out after the Oakland start, that was bad. He was bad in Houston again. They didn't pull him after that one. It was like, okay, he comes out and does four scoreless against Philly. That's pretty much what you're looking for, right? I mean, yeah. go four. If you can stretch it to five, that'd be sick. Allow fewer than two runs. Give the team a chance to win. That's all you really have to do. You don't need Anthony K going out there and tossing six, seven innings. It's you know, it's not going to happen. It is what it is. Like, yeah. I mean, 
yeah, if he goes out and does that, sure, let's, you know, give him another go. I think this was the spot in the rotation where we all wanted to see Alec Manoa come up. But so if that doesn't happen right away, then I imagine we'll see Anthony K pitch again. You might as well give him another chance. He did well against the Phillies. Like, especially if you're, if you're going up against a team that has like a, a bunch of good lefties too, right? Like that would explain why K would thrive in, in, a, in a game against the Phillies, right? Like lots of big lefty bats. So makes some sense. Yeah, and if they were to give him another start, it would likely come during the four-game set against the Tampa Bay Rays, which comes up after their three-game set in Dunedin against the Boston Red Sox. Our third up in three-up, three-down, I like this one. It was Lourdes Gurriel having himself a pretty good weekend. He was four for eight with a run in an RBI coming into Sunday's game. Then he goes two for five in the finale as well, and just another one of those guys where we talked about having players with enough pop and potential lower in the order where when they get hot, they really make a difference. And this weekend I thought Gurriel did that, like going four for eight through two games. He was, he was good at getting, getting them through sort of the back half of that batting order. Really impressed with Lourdes Gurriel. And hopefully this is a sign of things to come with the bat. And maybe that would translate into some more confidence in the field as well, but I don't want to be negative about Gurriel. Uh, he hit <laughs> yeah, well a, this weekend. A, a gold, gold glove nominee, Lord is Gurriel. Let's, let's show some respect here for one of the elite defensive outfielders in the game. <laughs> I, I get that the sun is shitty in Dunedin, but he's made probably a few too many ugly plays in left field this year, but he hit great this weekend. That's the point of this. He hit great. And also one, one thing that's funny to me is that you see a lot of the guys... <laughs> having a difficult time in Dunedin and it's kind of like, you guys should know this stadium. You play spring training here every year. Like I get yeah. when an, an opponent comes in and has a rough time, but it's the same thing with the Phillies too. I mean, they were a disaster, a disaster, like misplaying balls in the outfield, getting confused by the wall in the foul zone. Just Gene Segura, just, I don't know. Forgot how to play that, baseball. But, but the Phillies play like 17 spring training games in Dunedin a year. Yeah. Like they play like half their games. They're, 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 I swear the, the Phillies and Blue Jays are playing a game in March like every day. It's like you should know the field. What's going on? They they tagged the field. They scored the Phillies with six errors in the three games. That feels generous to me because I I they booted around the one probably eight or nine. Yeah. The the one um, actually no. This is the uh, for the Blue Jays actually on the other side of that is the one that Grichuk missed. They just gave a, a triple for that one, which is shocking. Yeah, that's that doesn't make it weird, weird stuff. There could have been in that in that Sunday game, there could have been like what, like eight, nine errors. Yeah, there was a bunch of sketchy fielding from both sides in the Sunday game, but that was the up. It's Vladdy crushing home runs and K with a solid start and Lourdes Gurriel racking up some hits. Hopefully he's starting to get hot. Let's go to the down and we're talking about the defensive blunders now. And I actually thought it was Jordan Horbin from MLB.com who uh, noted that the misplayed ball by Lourdes Gurriel was the Jays' first error in nine games, which had been a season-long streak for them. Toronto had entered the day with a 987 team fielding percentage, which was actually fourth highest in the majors. That's all incredibly surprising to me, actually. But uh, the fact that they weren't able to get through another three-game set without at least one game where the errors were abundant was not great. Not concerning, maybe, but not great. Yeah, I think the the fielding percentage thing, it kind of shows you how flawed of a stat that is. Because, you know, we're just going through and we're like, what, that play wasn't called an error? That play wasn't called an error? And you're like, well, then that factors into, so Randall Grichuk had a perfect fielding percentage day today in which he He didn't see a ball and allowed a guy to hit a triple on a pop fly. So, I mean, like, it kind of shows the flaw in the stat. 
And I think we all know the Jays are a ho-hum defensive team. They're getting better. I think Bose looked quite good at short. He made that diving catch. That was sick. Yeah, uh, His arm's getting better. Biggio's looked better um, over at third base as well. So that's a positive. But I, I, I do think we know that the Jays are not going to be an elite fielding team. Yeah, and fielding percentage probably doesn't really cover that side of things either, like the elite side. Like taking away a base hit does not get you extra points in fielding percentage, right? Like, so I, th- I think that's a good point as well. That stat is uh, is defensive metrics. Solid. They're complicated. All of them, like, yeah. Even you look at like a defensive WAR zone metrics. That shit's really confusing, and it's there's so much disagreement between you know what's accurate and what's this and that. I'm pretty confident in saying, having watched every Blue Jays game <laughs> this year, the team is not very good defensively, but they're getting better. I'm pretty uh, confident. One of the downs we had was a bad call in game one that caught that caught your attention. Take us through that and, and sort of the aftermath and, and the ripple effects it had. Yeah, this kind of screwed the Jays over. I think it was in the, yeah, it was in the seventh inning of the uh, game against Philly. And this is on Friday. So the game they lost. They were up one nothing and pitching had done quite well. They're, you know, shutting the Phillies down. It honestly looks like kind of on their way to winning a game one nothing. And then, you know, Trent Thornton's up. He's got two guys out. And then Gene Segura's at the plate. And uh, there's, there's, there's pitches that should be called strikes that are called balls. And it's just shocking. And then Segura ends up walking. And then next, Tim Meza comes in, walk uh, to Bryce Harper, walk to JT Real Muto. And then Hoskins hits that double. And then Bohm hits that double. And then all of a sudden, it's 5-1. But it all started with just this... Um, like this, these, this, these terrible calls and that Segura at bat that ultimately derailed Thornton. Cause if not for that, um, I think there was some earlier too in the, in the end. I just can't, I'm thinking of, I'm thinking of the Matt's one as well, where he threw a pitch to McCutcheon that was right at the bottom. Like it was in the zone and McCutcheon also swung at it. And then it was called the ball at home and then not called a swing either. And that one there seemed to cost them as well. There were a few like, not to sit here and go, oh, the fucking umps and like do that whole song and dance. But like there were a few calls in that series that had like yeah. lasting effects where it wasn't like, okay, they got out of it with the next batter or like the next pitch was a ground ball and they're done. Like mm-hmm. innings were extended because their pitchers yeah. weren't getting calls, which is maybe something to keep in mind when we get to the point of criticizing Tim Miza. <laughs> Right. Yeah. No, hundred percent. But yeah. So Matt's start got cut short. He was only yeah. able to go five innings in that game, which ultimately resulted in them having to stretch Trent Thornton a bit further, which mm-hmm. resulted in him losing his control. And then, you know, Mesa came in, blah, 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 blah. I mean, you don't want to blame the whole thing on the umps. Like also to be fair on Friday, the Jays only scored one run on three hits of Vince Velasquez, who's bad. Yeah. Jeez. So whatever. I mean, that's a bit of a stretch for a down. I know I suggested it, yeah. but no, ah, well, it's fair. Got it. it got, got the next down is pitch. a the next down is a real down. That's for sure. This one is deserved. Um, Tim Miza, he comes in, doesn't even record an out in the first game. Gives up three runs, all of them earned, two walks and a hit as well. Uh, and then you go into his next appearance, which came in the finale, and he goes two thirds of an inning, gives up three hits and two more earned runs on top of that. This dude couldn't do much of anything. Well, I mean, he did do something. He fucking almost cost him a game on Sunday, but um, like that was ugly from Miza. That was a big, big step back for a guy that I like. Yeah, Meza had been one of the nice stories for the Blue Jays in April. He didn't allow a run in his first, you know, quite a few outings. And then recently it was, you know, two earned runs against the Astros, two earned runs against Atlanta, and then the three, like you mentioned, on Friday that ultimately cost them the game. And then the two on Saturday that 
almost cost them Sunday's game. I mean, that's now nine runs allowed in his last four outings. And it's just his sliders, not anywhere near the strike. So he's having to throw this fastball in there. Now his fastball's not fast enough to get past guys. And it's kind of, you know, it's, it's only four bad, bad outings, but it's kind of getting to the point where you wonder, okay, do they need to option this guy down to Buffalo and let him reset a little bit because he's nowhere near the strike zone right now. And yikes. But that's also a bit of a challenge because now Ryan Baraki's on the injured list. So your lefty options are not a hell of a lot. So it's kind of a difficult situation. Yeah, difficult situation for everyone. And for Tim Miza, like he's going to be in a spot now where he pro- he might not get very more many more opportunities to turn this around. And with the amount of injuries the Jays have had, like guys are going to start getting healthy. And if they ever get a solid group of relievers healthy, there yeah. might be some, yeah, there, but there, there could be some difficult decisions that have to be made in terms of roster management. And he's not exactly doing himself any favors right now in terms of being on the right side of those decisions. No, not at all. And I mean, the, to, the Sunday game was supposed to be, okay, this guy struggled recently. So we're not going to put him into a high leverage spot like Friday. So, okay, blew the game. So next time we get him out there, we'll put him into a nothing situation. And he managed to turn the nothing situation into a something situation. Yeah. He said, oh, you don't, you don't want me pitching in a high leverage situation? Watch this. And he made that thing a high leverage situation. Yeah. And then they went ahead and used Jordan Romano, who now also might be injured there's you know what bonus fourth down because we weren't even gonna talk about injuries until we got two of them in the last like 20 minutes of that game uh one of which was romano who looked off for his last i'll say what would have been eight pitches he didn't really look right because that's when they came out out, he came out and he 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 cleaned up mazes maps in the eighth he got the strikeout with the 101 mile an hour fastball the knees that was sick yeah. And then he came out in his, his last handful of pitches all over the grid. That's concerning. And yes. you, of course, don't know if we're going to get the truth on any of this later today or tomorrow and what or whenever. So it's pretty much just hold your breath and hope Jordan Romano's okay. Also, Rowdy Telez stepping on home plate and slipping on a ball sliced down the left field line. That wasn't particularly great to see either. So are we assuming that Rowdy Telez was taken out of the game because of fatigue? It'll be interesting to see what they say, actually. Yeah. They, like, it's pretty <laughs> clearly like a knee thing. <laughs> Romano was removed midway to the ninth inning due to fatigue, as was Rowdy Telez. He was limping <laughs> to first base because he was tired. <laughs> that's, what the, that's what the narrative from the press secretary is going to be. We could get someone down there. Like, Ben Wagner could tweet out, like, Rowdy Telez in a knee brace on crutches. And the Jays would be like, listen, we think he's going to avoid an IL stint. We'll let you know in a couple days. They could have a dead body pushed out there (laughs) in a fucking wheelbarrow. And they'd be like, he's just tired. We're just giving him a a breather. This is not an injury. He will not go on the injured list. He he might DH tomorrow. What? Yeah. He might he, yeah, he might might just be DH. We just we just don't want him on the field. It's like a dead rotting corpse in like a wheelbarrow. Uh yeah, those injuries were not fun to watch. Um while we're on that topic, Ross Atkins had a media availability the other day and he talked a little bit about George Springer, mentioned the possibility of him doing a rehab stint um or a conditioning assignment or whatever the hell they're gonna phrase it as. But that would be that would be welcome for me, like really taking it slow with this guy right now, especially because the team's racking up wins, right? Like you don't necessarily, you really want George Springer back, but you're surviving without him for the time being. So there is zero, zero, zero need to rush him back right now. Yeah, they absolutely cannot go through the exact same song and dance they did with him again. 
you, 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 it happened once. And I mean, everybody wanted to see George Springer make his debut. He wanted to make his debut. We all wanted to happen. They probably rushed it a bit, but this time it can't happen. You know, you can't have him going on the injured list for the third time. And then we're talking all of a sudden about him coming back in like August, you know, like that's how yeah. all of a sudden you lose an entire season due to injury. So yes, no, this time they have to take it slow, send him to Buffalo or Trenton, I guess. And, you know, play in games, take it slow, like actually get back to 100% this time. 100%. I'm just looking at something right now. We're about to preview the Red Sox series. They did end up losing today, by the way, to uh, the LA Angels. Big shout out to Shohei Otani for a two-run bomb in the ninth. We'll get to that in a bit, but also from that Atkins availability. um, Talked about Gabriel Moreno, uh, Pearson, Manoa, Forrest Wall, Thomas Hatch. They all came up. Uh, Thomas Hatch will be an interesting one, though. Thomas Hutch is on the 60 day injured list right now. And the expectation is, is that he's been throwing about three innings in his SIM games lately, and he'll be joining the Bisons right away here. And then the expectation is that when he's eligible to come off the 60, then he'll be back and he'll rejoin the Blue Jays. We don't know in what capacity are they going to use him as a starter. They're going to use him as a reliever. Last year, he was great in that like two inning role. I don't really know what to expect if they try and stretch him out and make him throw five or six, but I, 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 kind of think he might end up in that swing role again, doing like piggyback starts. Three it, also, it also might depend on the health of some other guys. Right. And yeah. on the whole Manoa Pearson thing as well. Cause if mm-hmm. Manoa gets called up by the time hatch is ready, but Manoa's lights out or pitching well enough at the major league level, like that'll probably determine what could or could not happen with hatch and what could happen with Pearson as well. Because I, uh, again, I'm a little bit of an injury here. Who knows? how bad of an injury it is. Like we're basically just guessing, but same thing as Springer with him. Like you're at a point right now where you're surviving. There's no need to rush Nate Pearson into making more major league starts. You can really take your time with the injury, then take your time with his recovery as well. Like both injury and mentally or whatever, just with, with his game overall, you can really sort of let him take baby steps back up to the majors. I think. Yeah. You really, again, same thing with Pearson. You, 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 you just don't want to mess it up again. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Bringing him up for the one game was the right play. Maybe. I don't know, but you don't want to have him yo-yoing and getting hurt again and this and that. So give him some time in AAA, give him a month, you know, finish or work on the, uh, the changes he's making to his delivery of fixing his mechanics, trying to be more whippy and less violent so he doesn't get hurt. So, you know, allow him to do that. Take your time. Just take it slow. This is a marathon, not a sprint. And I know that's kind of funny for like me to say, cause I'm a big, like call him up guy. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm not the one making decisions here. So, uh, Gabriel Moreno, he is, uh, having a really good start to the season. Is he Alejandro Kirk 2.0? It might be better than Alejandro Kirk. I think yeah. there's quite a bit of talk about how Moreno is the best catcher in the blue Jays system, which is a system that's fairly loaded with catchers. I mean, they have, yeah, five catchers on the 40 man now, I guess, if you still count Kirk as being one of them, even though he's in the 60 injured list. But yeah, Marino is, there's been a lot of positive talk about that guy. Apparently he's ridiculously good defensively and gun guys out. He hits really well, super athletic. Like, you know, he's in double A and he's killing it. Like he's on the 40 man roster. If, uh, you know, Kirk's going to be over quite some time. If Jansen and McGuire aren't hitting, I mean, Jansen's hitting now, Yeah, but if that happens or maybe if one of them gets hurt, then yeah, maybe we talk about Mourinho being the one to jump over and get called up. Who knows? I mean, he's killing it that much, but there's also Riley Adams in front of him too. So I, 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 I'd be skeptical that we see Gabe Mourinho this year, but never, you never know. 
if we see a big trade for, let's say it's for the big right-handed starter, or if it's for someone like Kyle Seager, do you think it's, do you assume one of these catchers is going to be thrown into it? You'd think, I mean, it's not easy to operate. So they, right now on the 40, they have Jansen, McGuire, Riley Adams, Kirk, and Moreno. So it's not standard to have five catchers in your 40 man roster, but yeah, if the Jays were to pull the, pull the trigger on a big trade, I mean, I know it would, if they do, it would make life a lot easier for the roster crunch because they have so many guys on the, on the 60 day and they're going to come back. And then, you know, you want to add Manoa and whoever else they talk about, you know, Forrest wall, maybe like different guys down in triple a, uh, they just signed Carl Edwards jr. Another reliever. Yeah. Like that's another guy who'd have to come on the 40 if they call him up. So, I mean, if they are going to, you know, 40 man roster management, then we might see them trading guys from the roster, which could involve, you know, like a, an Adams or a Mourinho. Who knows? It'd be really interesting. And that's, a, that's one of those positions too. Like when we talk about like, Oh, Austin Martin coming up as, you know, whatever he's going to be. Oh, Groshans is a shortstop, but you can pretty easily move him to second or Martin is versatile. He can play kind of all over with catchers. Like you get a catcher who can play first sometimes as well, but that's not a given on, on any catcher. Like it's one of those things where if you have a lot of depth, you almost, it's almost a ticking time bomb of like, eventually you're going to have to choose right? Like eventually a decision has to be made on which guy you want to run with and you want to sign and you want to keep rolling with and which ones you're going to dangle out there. Yeah. That's what I thought kind of in the off season was if the Jays were going to trade for a pitcher, you'd think that the place they would trade from would be catcher. And, you know, Danny Jansen might be the guy they, they traded because, you know, Kurt came up, he was good and, you know, maybe they were comfortable with him, but yeah, I, I, I would expect if the Jays were to pull the pick, pull the trigger on a big trade, then one of those yeah. catching prospects would probably be involved. That's, that's a reasonable assumption. Wrapping up this week's episode of Blue Jays Nation Radio. Shout out to our friends at Twig and Berries. And also shout out to our friends at Viridian Global. If you head to nationgear.ca, you can get a beautiful Dome Sweet Dome t-shirt. Support the boys, support the Dome, even when the boys are not at the Dome. Nationgear.ca, go to the Blue Jays Nation section, and it is right there, a beautiful summer shirt. Uh, next up, day off Monday, and then they will host the Red Sox for three in Dunedin. Uh, the Red Sox right now, like I said, coming off a three-game series against the Angels. Shout out to our boy Shohei Otani, who with a two-run home run in the ninth, flipped the script on that game. Angels walked away with a 6-5 win, but still the Red Sox won two out of those three. Uh, Red Sox this season, first in team OPS. The Jays are ninth. Red Sox are fifth in home runs. Jays are actually second there. 12th in opponent's batting average on the pitching side. Jays are 14th, 17th in team whip. The Jays are 13th there. Uh, Red Sox team that, you know, I didn't think they would be this good. They've maybe fallen back to earth at some points, but they're 25 and 17 on the year and a game and a half up on the Jays. Uh, this is a, this is a good team that has some like guys, Xander Bogarts might be playing like the best shortstop in baseball right now. JD Martinez is back to hitting like JD Martinez of old. It's a group who has some good players who are all performing really well. Yeah, they have that. So we pretty much talked about this exact same thing the last time and it was okay. They have yeah. their big three. Bogarts, Martinez, and Devers. And if you have, it's just like the Jays, right? Like when the Jays are on, <clears throat> when the Jays are on good, it's because Bo and Vlad and, you know, right now it's Teoscar. He's been hitting pretty good. And then yeah. for that two game stretch, it was George Springer, right? You have that, that big three in your lineup that really carries you. And that's what they have right now. And then also their pitching hasn't been that bad. Like you looked at them at the beginning of the season. And thought, okay. This team starting rotation is a joke, but you know, Nate Ubaldi has been good. Nick Pavetta, Canadian guys come kind of turned it around he's been fantastic Garrett Richards for some reason has been pretty solid 
Eduardo Rodriguez came back from COVID last year and good. Martin Perez, inexplicably solid. Doesn't make any fucking sense. I don't know why Garrett Richards and Martin Perez are any good. I understand why the other three are, but here we are. Boston's got three very, very, very capable hitters and a decent starting rotation. And it's like, oh God, like maybe they're not going to fall back to earth. Let's hope they do. But I don't know. Maybe Alex Cora has got some new cheating scandal figured out and they're figuring out who's throwing balls and strikes and fastballs and changeups when Lord knows what the fuck he's doing, but it's probably something. Red Sox six and four in their last 10. The Jays are seven and three in their last 10. And the only team in the American league with more than seven wins in their last 10 games is the Houston Astros. So the Jays have been, you know, almost as hot as anyone in the AL, but the Red Sox, obviously they can't be taken lightly right now. These two teams met back uh, last month and it was a split in a two game series at Fenway. I think uh, Pavetta, I believe is going in game one for the Red Sox. And I didn't, didn't double check. Who could be going in the uh, next two? If all they pitch today, so I'm pretty sure we're seeing, uh, we're going to see Rodriguez and we're going to see um, Richards and Pavetta. Those okay. are the three. They mentioned them on the broadcast, but I don't, I don't remember what order they're in. Uh, yeah, I just I think, know we're missing Nate Evaldi for sure. Yeah, I think Pavetta gets game one, but I could be wrong on that. Uh, for the Jays, Hunjin Ryu will get one. Uh, Steven Matz would be the series finale, if I'm remembering yeah, correctly. I think Stripling would then be in the second game. Yeah, like is that is that... I don't know if that's been confirmed or not, but is that likely what we're going to see? Like, is that the smart move? He, was, yeah, he pitched last, okay last, last time out. Yeah. I wouldn't have particularly high expectations of Ross Stripling going against the Boston Red Sox, but such is life. I mean, if he can put together his, his four stuff innings, wasn't great last game, but he struck out a lot and he kept the number. Like the numbers were good, even though if like the eye test wasn't exactly the most eye popping yeah, thing, yeah. but fuck whatever. He earned another one, and like it's the sure. same thing we just talked about with Anthony K. Right? Like he yeah. earned another one. You're not gonna you're not gonna pull the shoot after they have a nice start. That's yeah. just you know that's just not how it's done. So we'll see what happens. Hope for the best. Let's let's hope they beat the Red Sox because we want to see the Red Sox come down to earth. Like they're they're doing well, but I'm looking at who they've played, and it's like okay, they had a sweep over Baltimore in here. They had some wins over Seattle. They had another sweep over Baltimore. Or sorry, a three out of four against Baltimore, a two out of three against Detroit. Like they've been playing some bad teams. Like. Mm-hmm. I'm looking for where they've played a good team. Um, the White Sox are good. They did a two and two there. Um, geez, Oakland. They, they swept uh, they... Tampa in their second series of the season. Mm-hmm. And they took, no, they lost um, two or three to Oakland. So almost every time I see them playing a pretty good team, they're not winning the game. So maybe the Red Sox are frauds and they're just beating the shit out of the Orioles. And that's why they have this record. I would love for the Red Sox to be frauds, especially because the AL East is a little jammed up right now. Like the Rays are in fourth and they're only two games back of the top of the division. And then those things will get sorted out. Like these interdivision games are huge because that's what really sort of allows there to be some sort of separation. Like that's towards the end of the year. What's really going to make or break things is those kind of games you play against the Red Sox, Yankees and Rays. If you can consistently take two out of the three you're going to win the division. And that's the spot the Jays are, are kind of in right now, especially if the, the Jays, uh, if they sweep the Red Sox this week, they will um, be ahead of the Red Sox in the standings. Yes. Even if they grab two out of three, only half a game back at that point. That's pretty good. There you go. That's what you want to see. Two out of three. That's the objective. They, if they don't win this series, it'll be a disappointment. Can't be yeah, I think so as well. The Red Sox. Yeah. 
The way they're rolling right now, why not? And Uh and you're going to have Ryu for one as well. And Mats came back and had a good start. So my expectations are back up to where they were for Steven Mats as well. You got two starters that can win you games. I I agree with you 100%. Two out of the three is the expectation here as the Jays get set. For three against the Red Sox, I already said it, but I'll repeat myself. It's a day off on Monday for Toronto, and then they will start that series after the Red Sox. And we'll be here on Thursday to recap things. Uh, it's four against the Tampa Bay Rays and then three against the Yankees. We talked a couple of weeks ago about like that road trip being like a turning point for the season, something like a rallying, whatever um, yeah. this stretch coming up here, this is huge standings wise. And it's only yes. fucking may 10 games against the AL East in a row, right? It's 10 games. Yeah. Yeah. It's a three, four and a three, 10 games. So we want yeah. to see them go seven and three here. I think. Seven and three Coombsy has set the bar high, but I love it. We will be here after every series to recap it on blue Jays nation radio presented by twig and berries. Thanks for tuning in. If you have a sec, subscribe, leave a review, click five stars, whatever your podcasting platform needs. Uh, we would greatly appreciate that. But until then you enjoy these blue Jays games. We'll talk again on Thursday. Best wishes. Thanks for tuning in to Blue Jays Nation Radio. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.